Welcome to Comics with Normies. This is the show where I, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, get a normie or a person from my life who hasn't really read comics before to read a comic book and then give us their thoughts on it. This way we get an outsider's point of view on the comics that we love and maybe not love so much. Either way, we get to see what our hobby looks like to those normal folks that we just see walking around every day. Now, once again, I'm your host, Jared Albrecht, the Art Sale Artist, and on this episode, we're going to be looking at ROM number 23 from Marvel, cover dated October Let's meet the normie for this episode. I have with me today, I have Mr. Wynn Carroll. He's graciously agreed to be on this episode to talk about some of this early 80s ROM. This is the part of the show where I tell the people how I know this guest and how they're a friend in my life. Well, this is a mix em up, people, because I just met Wynn Carroll. <laughs> Because we've only been Twitter friends. So I'm taking somebody out there because, let me be honest with you, my local friends kind of let me down, taking too long to read the comic books, not getting back to me. So I stretched out to the uh, Twitterverse and said, who wants to be on the show? Wynn Carroll said, sign me up. So welcome to the show, Mr. Wynn Carroll. Thank you so much for having me, Jared. It's uh, really going to be a lot of fun to be on here. And, you know, Twitter friends are the best friends. Let's be <laughs> They are. They don't ever, like, steal your beers or go <laughs> or snacks out of your uh, pantry. <laughs> it's just one of those things. We have a silent, unbroken bond. We have similar interests, and that's where we connect. And we leave each other at the crossroads because Lord knows there's a lot of parts of Auburn Twitter that I'm, when it's not talking about Auburn football, I'm just like, well, I'm glad that that's on my timeline. That's an interesting viewpoint, but I'm not going to engage that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're doing it right. So in case you haven't figured out, folks, we do have a connection. Both Wynn and myself went to Auburn University, which is, as Lord. listeners will know, probably the greatest university in the world. Maybe I, the universe. I appreciate you said probably just to give any room for anyone from like <laughs> Yale to try and say <laughs> Oh, goodness. So Wynn, what dare you share with the audience about yourself, just in general? Uh, not much to tell, honestly, Jared. I'm in my mid-20s here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a history professor. That has taken up a lot of my time, of course, obviously, and, and spirit and energy. And I hope to, that that will be, again, you're early enough in the process to where I hope that will become a long-term career. But we will see. Um, in the meantime, 
huge Auburn fan, huge sports fan in general. So that is what occupies my free time. And that's really all that there is to this story up to up to the age of 28, I think. Oh, well, there's room for more. Absolutely. <laughs> well, let's get our barometer set for when, when it comes to as we're moving into comic books. So you might have already answered this. First question out of the box. What hobbies do you have? Sounds like you're a sports fan. Absolutely. You're doing it right because you love Auburn. But do you <laughs> have short, any other things? It's been about 10 years, but yes, <laughs> I suppose the right thing to do. But in addition to that, video games, oh. animated shows, in particular watching TV, or big fans of American Dad and The Simpsons and Archer, King of the Hill. And so really, that pretty much is my free time. Right now, I'm in the midst of the academic world, and so free time is a concept in which you feel guilty for having it, but at the same time, you need to do something with it. So, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I, we have gaming in common, and I... I was a big fan of Archer. I fell out of it a little bit, but I've seen probably the first three, four seasons, and I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind getting back into it. That's a fun show. Absolutely. It looks like they're kind of up in the game at the end. This will Apparently, they just announced this will be the final season, this upcoming season, I guess in 2020. And so they're kind of trying to find a way to bring it all back together, which would be interesting because it's such a disjointed show. <laughs> yes, it has taken some wild style turns from season no. to season. <laughs> Oh, I had the good pleasure of being at, where was I, Charlotte Heroes Con last year, and a very nice young lady sat next to me on my left was one of the character designers for the show, Archer, so that was fun (laughs) to get to talk with her and and all that. So, anyway, that's my connection to Archer. (laughs) This show is not about me, it's about you. So, the next question up, what comic book related things are you familiar with? You're a normie, you're not deep into comics, but I'm betting you've gotten out to at least see the movies, maybe it's bled over into your gaming Where are you connecting with the comic book world? You know, my connection with the comic book world definitely goes back. I'm I'm certainly a normie by all intents and purposes, and that episode will make this really, really clear. But (laughs) I have enjoyed comic books ever since I was a kid. I was a big, big Spider-Man fan, but again, didn't necessarily read the comic books, read those those large, like, DK books they would have in the library where they have shots and they have, like, little bios of information about the characters and little items to kind of grab their attention and stuff. And as an ADD kid, there's so many different things on the page. You can just pick up little random bits of information and everything. And I got to understand the Spider-Man characters pretty well. So one of my first comic book movies was the Spider-Man movie, the first of the Sam Raimi movies. Okay. And watched that religiously. And, of course, when the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe opened up, that was... A dream for me. I'd played a couple of the Marvel video games in like the, I don't know, mid 2000s, those ones where you play as multiple role playing characters that had different abilities for each Marvel character. So that opened me up a little bit more to that universe. And then with Speed, just a friendly, like most of my friends are pretty into Batman. So I have a pretty good understanding of kind of Batman's character. But other than that, the rest of the DC universe is kind of a, a loss to me. And then, yeah, when you get to Dark Horse and Pretty much everything besides Watchmen, I got no knowledge. But I think <laughs> Watchmen is the other one I can probably add to that list. Oh, okay. So you've dabbled a little bit. A little bit. A, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah, you got me trying to remember what the name of those games were. I know the ones you're talking about. They were kind of like dungeon crawler style games. They totally were. And they were perfect for the kind of average Marvel fan because you got to play with, you know, you play with Wolverine or Spider-Man or all those ones you remember from like the Marvel versus Capcom fighting games or whatever. Yes. And then like they threw in these really obscure characters and you're just like, oh, okay, well... Captain Marvel kind of kicks ass, so I'm going to keep him in my group for a while. You got to grow an appreciation of that, you know? <laughs> Ultimate Alliance. It just came that, me. I think they're called yeah. Ultimate. <laughs> like both one and two. It was That was a lot of fun. 
Oh, and then last but not least, sorry, Jared, these things just pop into your head when you start thinking about <laughs> Keep going. Past. Um, no, I, I did read a lot of the early 60s Spider-Man. Like we were talking, would get those anthology collections. Volume one was like book number one through 20 or something. And mm. so I read the really, really early Spider-Mans. And that's okay. about that's about where I think my Spider-Man knowledge ends officially from the comic books around like 1968. Something. <laughs> so you went from there to the movies. There's nothing wrong with that. Nah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not like they're based in the movies wholly off the comic books anyway. So what about small screen? You do any like the Netflix shows like Daredevil, Punisher, anything like that? Arrow from the CW, anything like that? I did Daredevil for about six or seven episodes. It's just such a depressingly dark <laughs> series. You really can't. Like those, the folks that binge watched that one, I was just like, man, I don't know how you deal with that much darkness in an <laughs> eight hour and like that. It's a very dark turn on Daredevil, and I really liked it. I just it takes a lot of emotional preparation to watch an episode like All right. to watching just The Simpsons and having a good laugh. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to branch out to Jessica Jones because I think it gets even <laughs> <Yeah>. darker. <laughs> oh man. But I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I've been doing, on the flip side of the coin here, I've been doing the Lord's work at my house. I have a 13-year-old son, nice. and I've been taking him through every episode of The Simpsons. We watch one almost every weeknight. Yes, together. well done. <laughs> <laughs> that really is the Lord's work, Jared. That's hurting <laughs> right there. <laughs> well... Back to ROM 23, October 1981. The question yep. that I ask all my guests is, what were you doing when this comic was on the shelf? So in October of 81, what were you doing when? I was a dust of a sprinkle of a sparkle in my mother's eye. <laughs> I was going to say, I did fresh quick dust. math in my head said you weren't doing anything in October of 81. <laughs> <laughs> About 10 years away from old Wind Carol popping, popping out in the world. So. Well, if Comics with Normies has nothing else, it makes me feel really, really old sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that taken care of, let's get to the meat of things. Indeed. So let's take a look at the story. Now, this is the hardest part for the guests. So when you read what seemed like a 126-page story, I think it was only like a 22-page or whatever, but it's written by Bill Mantlo, and he is famous. Him and Chris Claremont are two writers that are famous for packing in the words. Is he the one that was the writer of this? Because the descriptions that he would give, man, are just like... I kept <laughs> yes. turning back. I was like, this is not... This is definitely not Stan Lee writing this. This is way too serious for this to be a Marvel comic, but... It was poetic. Yes, he's almost poetic. He's he's wordy. He tends to gravitate towards these sci-fi tales. So, yeah, this is my favorite part of the show in some regards, because A, I don't have to do anything. And <laughs> B, I get the guest take on the story. And this one is a, it's a doozy, folks. I'm going to give you a heads up. There's a lot of characters that make appearances. There's a lot going on. It's a fun story, but man, he, Mantlo packs it in. But you know what? Take it away, Wynn. Tell me what you got out of the story of ROM number 23, October 1981. So ROM is a space knight, which are the defenders of the planet Galador from a evil group of, I'm not really quite sure what you would call them, but shapeshifters called Wraiths. And he has crash-landed upon this world, and he has been found by Luke Cage and the Iron Fist. And the entire city is on high alert because he is here and they have been alerted by the wraiths in disguise that this is an imminent threat to the world. And so they decide that they're going to hide them. And eventually they reason that the best place to go is the Baxter building because that's one of the safest places in New York City. And Luke Cage has had a very memorable three episode stint where he was the stand in for the thing in the Fantastic Four. 
And so the two attempts to get to the Baxter building, in the midst of this, we have a flashback to Moorville, West Virginia, where I assume the main love interest character is their small sleepy town is being infiltrated by a sinister force that we do not see. But as they're on their way to the Baxter building, there is, you know, having to go underground through sewers, having to make their way up the elevator, uh, just a series of kind of pitfalls that Luke and the Iron Fist and Rom have to go through before they eventually arrive. Meet the Fantastic Four, and wouldn't you know it, Dr. Reed or Mr. Fantastic has got just this space alien technology with just the right coordinates entered in so that Rom can finally go home and see what became of his planet. And that is where he heads off to as the episode closes, and that is Rom episode number what episode number number 23 from october 1981 i should have read it i should have had you tell me because that was good man that was that was a great encapsulation of it's a lot in it. <laughs> they back in so much we saw guest appearances by your man spider-man was in there wasn't he oh absolutely yeah jay jonah jameson and spider-man mm-hmm. I think that, that was a nice one two punch for the spider-man fan they knew their audience they knew this is this is a comic book only 23 episodes in. You may need to lend a little star power to people. <laughs> Rom is one of those books that is just, you never would have thought it would have done as well as it did, but I think it ended up going like, its original run went like 75 issues. And you can kind of see why. I don't I don't know about you. Well, let's find out about you. You're the normie. Um, <laughs> let me ask you some follow-up questions, and then I'll see if I can't lead to where I'm going with this. What did you think about the overall story? I enjoyed the writing a lot. There are some very, like, poetic phrases that are throughout this book. I'm trying to see if I can... There was one or two. Here we are. Something along the lines of, Into an armed city, armed and watchful city, waiting for things that go bump in the night. Further south, the same moon shines down on a sleeping Claritin, West Virginia. And it's just... It's... I don't know. It's very beautifully written. You don't expect this from a comic book, especially a Marvel comic book. Growing up, reading Stan, being very irreverent and very kind of humorous, this is much more detailed out. So I did like it overall in terms of the way it was written. I like the interjection of a lot of Marvel characters. I think that's what they do well as a as a comic book group is they are able to kind of have these crossovers, whether it's a Marvel team up comic book series or, you know, what they're doing in the movies with the cinematic universe. I love that you can have other heroes either pop in or be the center of entire frames. Mm-hmm. And other than that, the only kind of negative I had was like I didn't I A didn't really didn't really sympathize with Rom and B was just kind of like, man, this guy's got an answer to everything. How convenient. (laughs) He's very, and maybe that's just the way those comic books were written in 1981, but it just seemed like there would be at least two or three panels where you'd be like, hmm, here's the problem. And then one panel of, oh, lucky for me, I'm equipped with this cyber genetic you know. <laughs> what to call it? Who's he? What's it? <laughs> exactly. Like, come on, man. That's that was that was the only thing I had with Brom. I was just like, he's just he's got an answer for everything. Oh my goodness, yes. And you're right. We kind of hit on this early too. They packed in. We saw Spidey. We saw J. Jonah Jameson. Captain America was in here. Freaking Moon Knight. Obviously, Power Man, Iron Fist. All members of the Fantastic Four, including Herbie the Robot. <laughs> I couldn't help but notice they bolded out the, le- the letters Herbie. I was like, huh, Herbie. Okay, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> oh, man, if you like animated stuff, back in the 80s, early 80s, they had a Fantastic Four cartoon. And that's where a lot of people know Herbie from. They took out the Human Torch and put in Herbie because they were afraid kids would set themselves on fire. <laughs> oh, no. oh, man. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, it's good times in the eighties, man. You missed a you missed a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you just unloosed another bit of like 
old nostalgia from my brain. I definitely do remember watching the '90s X Men and Spider Man cartoons. Good, good. So, Those are good shows. Those are good, yeah, shows. good shows, man. That and the Batman. I mean, we were we were a little spoiled. I watched some of those '60s cartoons and they are so cheesy man and that 90s stuff was like mini movies every episode oh yeah the 90s batman is off the oh, so good back to rom sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> no it's all right i love it <laughs> what powers and abilities did you discover for the characters in the comic and since there were so many characters in here i'd like to get your take on what you think the general powers and abilities are for like rom and then we'll do luke cage and then we'll do Danny Rand, a.k.a. Iron Fist. We'll do those three. So what do, you, what do you think the powers and abilities of Rom are based off what you read? Rom has the ability to have, what I said earlier, just an answer for everything. <laughs> computing and his equipment is so advanced that it can create a solution to just about any problem. He seems extraordinarily tall and obviously is bulletproof. Mm-hmm. See in a scene where there are cops shooting at him and he is able to withstand their bullets and protect everyone else. So he is tall. He's got an answer for everything. He's bulletproof. Not bad. Yeah. I think he's got some enhanced strength. He usually can fly, but then they see, then they say something was wrong with his flight. <laughs> I think they did. I think they addressed that. He's very, very heavy. The elevator <laughs> in the back of the building couldn't possibly support his weight. <laughs> he, is, he is very heavy. Speaking of uh, people who can lift things are heavy, there's a hint for you. Uh, what do you think about Luke Cage, a.k.a. Power Man? What power sets did you get out of it for this uh, one? Luke Cage also reminds Rom that he is bulletproof when the bullets start firing, and mm-hmm. so they basically all just defend uh, Iron Fist. And yeah, he just he is bulletproof, and he is got snappy dialogue. Those are his two, <laughs> those are his two powers. That's, you're not wrong. And finally, let's wrap it up with the Iron Fist. What would you take away from that? The Iron Fist's abilities are that it takes him forever to have his superpower come to <laughs> The half of the comic book is like, I could take care of this with my Iron Fist. And they're like, no, conserve your strength, conserve your energy. So this is clearly something that comes and goes from him from time to time, which is interesting enough. But that's, I assume, martial arts, just based upon the getup, it's very 1980s karate sort of outfit look. And so I assume he's got some martial arts powers. You are on the right track. And it's it's funny when you hear a normie come to a very fast conclusion on what all of us nerds have known for a while. Like, it takes <laughs> it's a while to be useful sometimes. But he still looks good in green and yellow. So you got to give him that. So was the reason the Netflix series was canceled was because it took him eight episodes to actually... <laughs> Something, or? <laughs> you're not far off. <laughs> but it was, I tell you what, it was a good series. But you know, watch a judge for yourself, I guess. Uh, indeed, indeed. I, well, that's the one I've been told by my friends who do watch the TV series. They're like, yeah, you can pretty much skip that one. You don't really need to watch that. <laughs> I, I would say it was better than than people said. But you know, make up your own mind. I, I think eh, you'll figure it out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> So story-wise, what was your favorite moment in the story? I think my favorite moment in the story was probably the ones that I was most familiar with in terms of when they first encounter, even though there was a lot of action and there was a lot of beautiful, poetic kind of descriptions of some of these events, I think my favorite part was just meeting the Fantastic Four. That, A, this is what this whole episode is running up to, is the fact they've got to meet the Fantastic Four to be able to somehow either protect him or send him home. And B, like, the Fantastic Four are such split personalities that when they show up in a room, each of them has a bit of dialogue that they say, and you instantly, as someone who just it's you know, familiar enough with the comic book characters and their archetypes to be able to be like, oh, cool, the guys that I know, the the Beatles are here. You know what I mean? Like, it's... (laughs) It's something I understand. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that actually was my favorite part of the whole comic. As much as the action was interesting and, you know, the lead up and the drama to that was interesting, 
interesting too. I, I just think it was just the end, the end result. Yeah, it was a, a well-told story of almost like that movie, The Warriors, where they're trying to get from point A to point B, and there's a lot of danger between here and there. And they finally get there with the FF. And there's a very funny, lighthearted moment because now they know about these dire wraiths, these shapeshifters you talked mm-hmm. about. So they're worried. Are these the real Fantastic Four or the dire wraiths? So in order to find out, Luke Cage asked Mr. Fantastic how much Mr. Fantastic was paying Luke Cage to stand in for the thing while he was gone. So that way only he could know that. And then the thing gets very insulted with how he much money. <laughs> grumbling at the end about i can't believe you paid that twerp that much for two weeks work or something like that that was pretty funny that <laughs> was a good ben grim line i was like yes this is <laughs> all right this is another one of my favorite questions on comics with normies because there could be quite a bit in this book yeah <laughs> did anything yeah. leave you scratching your head i think the first thing that i definitely didn't get the answer for was that b plot story of the small sleepy town in West Virginia and his romantic interest and the guy that loves her and makes up that perfect love triangle and something starts possessing people and they stare wide-eyed and unblinking out into space and you know that they've been possessed by something. What what does that end up being? Is that just more wraiths or I what? think it's more wraith action. The only way I can help you out there is that I know that that's sort of Rom started in that town in Virginia. That's where he first got to Earth. He met some people. Uh, there were plenty of dire wraiths in town that he destroyed and everybody at first thought that this crazy robot was like killing all their neighbors and stuff but then they slowly discovered he was actually getting rid of these dire wraiths. So yeah, oh I forgot to mention another character this book because there's just not enough characters in this book they actually had a couple panels of the torpedo who's guarding the sleepy town in west virginia while rom is gone gotta love a bee hero and (laughs) bee hero's wife worried about him be like i wish he hadn't been the torpedo i know that his son thinks it's cool that we have a superhero in the family but i'm just really worried about him i was like ah this is gonna end well i can already tell I mean, comic books are pretty much soap operas with superpowers, as you figured Indeed. out. Oh, yeah. I, I think I remember one of the early Spider-Men where there was literally just this back and forth dialogue about dates and hanging out and stuff like that. And then Stanley just is like, and just to remind you people that this isn't an episode of Peyton Place, then it's like you go to <laughs> Scorpion or Dr. Octopus or whatever. So it's like, yeah, it definitely can be, especially some of these where it's, you got to you have a romantic lead that you got to gotta have a love story with over comic books sometimes a sweet girl from a small town in west virginia falls for the big metallic robot dude happens, happens every day you know it's <laughs> tale as old as time well i think we've talked the story pretty well so let's get to the art of the book this was penciled by sal Busima. he's something of a legend in the industry and inked by joe sanat who is also very talented so good art team on this but it's not my opinions it's your opinion so let's start where most comics start let's look at the cover okay now looking at this here cover what effect did the cover have on you did it make you want to read it did it freak you out did it whatever what, what did you think about that cover just to give some insight to folks that have been listening for a while and everything jared's whole process is that he will send basically a selection of four comics that you can choose from that you would like to read out of his collection and so he gave me i think there was a flash comic in there and then mm-hmm. two i didn't necessarily recognize and one of the reasons i chose rom was twofold a it definitely had to do the fact that it was marvel so that's something i somewhat know but b it's also the comic cover art is really really exciting and flashy and again just a very simple statement it's just to storm the baxter building and that immediately hooked me in because again i I, i'm at least well versed enough in marvel the marvel universe to know the baxter building is the home of the fantastic four you've got all the characters in action poses and you're just like man i'm i'm in and i recognize two out of those three characters from those marvel tv series so 
let's see what we got in front of us. It was very, you know, said very a lot in, in a little, and the artwork was very exciting. Yes, and for those of you listening who don't know what the cover looks like, I will yeah. tell you what it looks like. Basically, you got Luke Cage in the foreground, and just behind him is Rom and Iron Fist, and Rom's like getting his laser gun thing primed ready to shoot, and Iron Fist is apparently going to use his once a week charged up fist. <laughs> That's a problem. He used it all on the cover. And yeah, so. you, <laughs> the cover. It's sort of a worm's eye view as you're looking up. They're standing out in front of the Baxter building. And, and that's it. I believe it's an Al Milgram cover. It's got a fair amount of dynamic yeah, look I to definitely it. see Milgram on the side here. This is definitely an Al Milgram cover. Oh, look at that. I got crazy street cred with the nerds just now. <laughs> but I'm glad it had that effect on you and that, that it, it spoke to you of the four covers of the comics I offered to you. Obviously, this one had something to it. And as we like to talk about on this show and some of the other shows I'm on, that's important stuff back in the 80s because we're talking spinner racks and supermarkets. So a kid has to spin that spinner rack, figure out where he's going to spend his money. You better have a, a drawing and exciting cover. So sounds like this one did its job. Definitely. So was there anything about the cover you didn't like? No, I think there's, you know, the correct amount of action poses and shading and coloring. There's not, in, unlike the book itself, it really doesn't try and do too many things. It gets you pretty direct into the, to the center of what's going on. Oh, that sounds like a segue into the next topic. <laughs> Let's go to the internal art. This is where we get the Sal Bushima and Joe Sinat artwork on the inside. What kind of highs did you have? What did you like? Hit me with some highs. Hit me with some lows. Anything like that. Even though it was made in 1981, the character design is very similar to some of the later Spider-Mans that I would read, the ones that ran to like 68 and 67 and stuff like that. So that kind of drawing and design of each of the characters is very similar and didn't seem like it changed really that much over a decade. So that was familiar, which was really a positive for me, is that I knew immediately as soon as I opened the front page and saw the character designs and coloring and everything like that, that I was definitely reading a Marvel comic. So that was the highs. It's definitely just the nostalgia factor of things. I would say the lows, there's, there's not really that much to be low about. I, I'm very, very novice when it comes to what makes good art or what makes good comic art in particular. And so there wasn't any moment in the comic where I just thought to myself, well, oh, this is a poor art design choice in any form or fashion. That stands to reason because it is Sal Bushima and he's, he's a good artist. You didn't see this coming because it's not in the script, but I got a pop quiz for you. What's up? All right, I'm going to say it's a true or false pop quiz. Did this character show up in this comic? I'll start you off easy. Spider-Man. True. Captain America. Yep. Moon Knight. Yes. Oh, Dare absolutely. <laughs> he, that boy, he had one of the grandest entrances of all. <laughs> Even said his name. In the midst <laughs> yeah, he did, because nobody knows who he was at the time. Daredevil. Daredevil, yes. <laughs> Iron Man. Yes. But did he, he ever leave the house? No, he decided that this would be too many metallic men wandering around to get people nervous, so I best stay inside the Avengers building. Okay, so we covered Power Man, we covered Iron Fist, Torpedo, we covered him. Mm -hmm. I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. <laughs> the Invisible Woman. The Invisible Woman, yes, we did. <laughs> Wolverine. No, no. All right, I, you I don't even think Wolverine had been invented yet. In 1981, had he? Or yeah, he'd been around. He, he'd been around for a little bit. A little right. bit. But uh, you did well. And that's just one more point to the listeners. This issue had a lot of characters. <laughs> Do not forget the most important of all of these that was, of course, the ad. And I know we'll talk about the advertisements soon, but the advertisement involving fruit cups or something oh, like that. Oh, it's got to be a hostess. Yeah, it was a hostess thing and it involved the Hulk. And so, yeah, you can add that one to the list, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect segue because that's next on my list. Let's take a look at those vintage ads. 
And mm-hmm. I want to know which ads, uh, ad or ads, and any one of them particularly stand out to you. Now, I know you're digging that Hulk fruit pie ad. Stop in the Fumi Goonies, man, which is just such a great name for a terrorist organization. Um, <laughs> and they seem to be digging the, the hostess pies at the end in jail. So everybody leaves <laughs> relatively happy. That's not great advertising. I don't know what is. You know? <laughs> so you really like the hostess? A little kid giving a bar to a Hulk, but you're having have fun with hostess. <laughs> <laughs> any of the other ads do anything for you now i know these were before you were born so they probably didn't really hit home hard for you but anything else jump out at you is particularly interesting two of them the one that just had me kind of scratching my head and remembering oh yeah there was a time where like there were certain things that companies could put on their logo that they probably couldn't put on today but oh what is it that was the tootsie pops they're like hey i bought all this tootsie pops gear and it comes with the legend of the indian that's on the cover i'm like tootsie pops had an indian on the cover what what? what? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, no. It's, Indian it's, legend. No, I'm looking at it. You're right. They're like, yeah, this is the legend of how the Tootsie Pop Indian came to be. And it's like, Tootsie Pop Indian? What the hell is that? I got to tell you, I'm from this era and I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost driven to Wikipedia curiosity. I was almost like, you know what? They may have had to send in for $19.99 worth of equipment, but I could just type on a computer for two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to know what this Indian legend of the Tootsie Roll Pop is all about. I'm going to find out. Ha, ha, ha. I beat capitalism once again, kids. <laughs> oh, what was the other one? The other one was was just the prices of these comic books. He had a middle, a big fold-out for a comic book show that was going to be going down in Denver. And it was basically giving prices that, I don't know, you could either buy off catalog or that you could sell for and what it would go for. And I mean, looking at some of those Spider-Mans, those 16 through 20s that were available, it was like $4. (laughs) Oh, you're looking at the Mile High Comics ad, double page spread right in the middle. Right. Classic yellow. Anybody listening to the show that loves comics knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, this was basically where you could go buy back issues of comics. I've actually been to Mile High Comics in Colorado. It's a gigantic store. It's still there. And yeah, this is basically like you would go in here. Let's say you started collecting and you were like, man, I need to get some of these back issues that I missed and I need, you know, Spider-Man number 27 or whatever. You could send the money or make a phone call, arrange to get those issues from Mile High Comics. And yeah, man, I would buy every one of these at these prices. <laughs> over, yeah. Sometimes over, man. I get some reserves just in case I spilled coffee on one or something like that. <laughs> Oh, I miss you, low comic book prices of the early 80s. Well, that is cool. Now, do you have any final thoughts about Ron before we're going to go into our break, and then I'm going to come back and have you give us your verdict on your experience. So do you have any more potpourri of thoughts on Ron before we do that? Just that this was one of the first comic books I'd read. I did some research, obviously, on Rom afterwards because I was very interested and found out that he was originally a Hasbro toy. Mm-hmm. That there's been a long discussion of potentially putting G.I. Joe and Transformers and Rom and all these other toys from the 1980s into a single movie and that was just kind of like ah so you are the proto transformer you're the one that came before and you know (laughs) you were destined for greatness but it just turned out that it wasn't your toy just wasn't selling (laughs) (laughs) a lot of toy properties got tried out in comic books and rom hit big gi joe hit big transformers he-man those were the heavy hitters that actually did well, both in toys and in comics. But man, for every one of those, there's about 15 or 20 that didn't make it. But having said that, let's take our podcast promo break. And then when we come back, our normie will rate this comic book experience on a scale of 1 to 10. But we'll do that right after this. 
Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now. Yeah? Well, that's not a question, man. I know. I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade, and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land, and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art cell artist, and your brother, Jason, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. But it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams. The Dark Web. Could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion since you were the one who invited me onto the show? Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys and you stay here. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called Build Up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? <sighs> Fine. Let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives in the comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade. Chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles. Indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater. Pitting two randomly selected action films against one another. An action film face-off cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles and whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check this out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com where we continue our quest to... Welcome back. It is time for the verdict. All right, Win. Given your experience with this book on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, man, this was awesome, can't wait to get more, 1 being, I will never do this again, what was your rating for your experience? I would say my experience was probably a 4 in that... Oh, poor Rom! Uh, no, I know. It's just Rom didn't speak to me much as a superhero. I didn't really ever feel in peril or danger for him and just think, oh, no, Rom's going to be in real trouble now. Or, man, I really hope Rom gets back to his home world. I found myself focusing more on the secondary characters. And since, again, most of what Iron Fist was saying was I've got to recharge my fist. It was mostly just Luke Cage's dialogue. So I, I enjoyed that he took a pretty central role in it. But I didn't feel any peril at Rom's cause or anything like that. And so just kind of an unrelatable character was the only reason I would I would at that low. I think the reason it doesn't go lower is just because there's a lot of Marvel just cameos and stuff that's more familiar that I could enjoy and could appreciate. And so, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? We'll pop that up to a five because there's really, really, really good writing in this because just the way the story is framed is very, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's it's very grand. Fun point bump for the Mantlo action. I love it. Okay. So he gives it a five out of ten. So the next question per the script is how interested are you in reading the next issue of the comic? Sounds uh, like the hopes aren't high. <laughs> no, no, indeed. And especially when they were promising Nova as if I should be just as excited about meeting Nova as I was Mr. Fantastic or really any of the Fantastic Four. So the minute that they left and said, and Nova's next issue, probably not going to read that second oh, issue. Oh, Nova, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure Rom will, I'm sure Rom will find great happiness back on his planet, whether it's been destroyed or whether he has to repopulate it. I'm, I'm sure that he'll be fine. 
Fair enough. When? what are your final thoughts as we get to the end of the show today? Um, I just appreciated being able to be on here and to be able to take something that a character I knew nothing about and a comic series that I only have just the most basic understanding of and be able to think about it critically and, and read about it and just, you know, think about how much of an impact comics has had both on my life, just kind of shaking off the nostalgia a little bit as well as just on our culture and the way in which we tell stories. So I really appreciated it. That might be the best final thought we've ever had on the show. <laughs> did you have any updates you want to give us before we close oh, yeah, the show? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did find that the Tootsie Indian, yes, I, I fooled the kids and that, that tricky businessman too. Apparently they would redeem their, they would try to redeem their rappers in the 1930s for like, I'm not really sure why, but apparently they were quite rare. Let's see. And if you found one that had an Indian on it shooting at a star, you could basically send it in because it was special. It was a limited collector's issue. And so in the 1980s, they decided that they would just kind of send in a legend of the Indian rapper to be like, please stop sending us the rappers. We don't care. <laughs> I mean, that's cool that there's only, they're only in 30%, but we're not going to give you money or anything for this. So they sold that story as a way of basically being able to sell product. And they, of course in the internet do not tell us the legend in and of itself but i'm sure it has something very interconnected with the star and is just you know the cornerstone of our candy culture to this day <laughs> it's lost the time lost the time man <laughs> well thanks for that way and i also want to thank you for being on comics with normies anybody out there if you have a question or comment about this or any of our other episodes you can hit us up on twitter at normies podcast or on Facebook at Comics with Normies. Or you can hit me up personally on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And how about you, Wynn? If you dare share your information with the <laughs> listeners out there, how might they get up with you? And I heard a little rumor that you might be doing some podcasting work yourself. So feel free to talk about that. Absolutely. I think that that is what I'm going to plug. People do not want to follow my social media because it's mostly just tweets about sports and that's either Auburn football or Arsenal soccer or anything like that. And it can get a little overwhelming very quickly on a good day. So I would just plug my podcast. Uh, it is an American dad podcast that I'm doing with a buddy of mine, Josh Miller, and it's called Win and the J-Man. And you can find that on iTunes. You can find that on Podcoin. You can find it on all sorts of on Google's podcast app. And that's also our Twitter handle. It's at Win and the J-Man, all spelled out. We're about six episodes in. It's the process of editing has become very frustrating and very laborious. <laughs> I'm sure you're preparing I yourself can relate. Right now. So <laughs> we are slowly rolling them out, but we've had some really good conversations with some friends of ours about their particular or our particular favorite American Dad episodes. And Jared, if you are more than welcome, of course, to, to come on. We would love to have you. Um, we might even, are you pretty familiar with American Dad or would this be kind of a, a reverse comic with Normie sort of situation? Uh, I, I Probably very similar. I have some familiarity with American Dad. I've probably seen maybe four or five episodes and I've enjoyed it. I was a big Family Guy fan back in the day. I've seen a ton of those. And so I sort of naturally gravitated to see what the grander universe, if you will, was like. And, and I enjoyed it. So uh, I, I would uh, not necessarily say no to guessing on an episode. Okay. We'll discuss more as in the days to come, but that would be, we'd love to have you on. That'd be fun. And when you say win in the J man, that's W I N N two N. Yes, it is. Oh goodness. Yes. Thank you. You Yes. W I N N Andy and then J and then man. So yeah, W I N N. Yes. I thought it was two wins. I just didn't want people to get confused. No, absolutely. And that's an easy name to get confused about. So, or, or spell about four, 15 different ways. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. So y'all check out Wynn and the J-Man as they talk about American Dad episode by episode, it sounds like. So that sounds pretty fun. Indeed. Well, thanks again for listening. And you guys out there, 
you keep reading those comic books and I'll keep finding somebody who doesn't. Thanks again for listening to Comics with Normies. All the music provided for Comics with Normies is done by musical genius Joe November. Check him out on SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. 